Welcome to episode 688 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 688 of I'm Talk of Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? Well, you're yawning. I am. It's 9.30 already. <laughs> Been on the go for four hours, four and a half hours. How do you get up in the morning? Five pretty much every day. Nice. What are you doing What are you doing before you come to the show on a Tuesday? I went for a swim this morning. I haven't been swimming much at all lately, so... Had swim go. It was okay. About three and a half K. We had to take over two lanes in the public pool today. Is there only five lanes at Pioneer? I know. We are taking over the world. Oh, How many people were in lanes in the two lanes you had? Well, there was about eight of us all up that does, got does it, what, does it. the public swimmer just randomly come in your lane? And I, I went in the second lane today and I swam almost up... The internal cavity of some female who got in, I didn't even realise, and we were just doing some hundreds at the end. Didn't see her, and just went poof, straight up her bottom. <laughs> well, they'll leave that one alone. Our talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance, Arctic Buffer, and our patrons. And John, let's name a few. Darren, Breaking Bad, Cranston. It's got a new movie out on Netflix. Netflix? Did you do Netflix? Uh, we have Netflix. Did you watch Breaking Bad? No, oh, I tried a couple of times. Not my cup of tea. Uh. With the times, mate. Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister of Australia. The Minister. The Minister is his nickname. There you go. And Sam, the Wild One Walls. He's been running well lately, too. Good old Sam. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got some lot of news because it was a big week in Kona. Uh, we've got a hot topic of the week. Uh, we've got a couple of interviews, and we, we were actually pulling one over. We did a great interview with a nutritionist, Dr. Which, Christa Armstrong, which. Um, coming up next week because we kind of thought this week's about Kona. But uh, we've got a couple interviews with basically some of the athletes who did the race. Some of the age group athletes. Yep. No pros, just age groupers. Yep. Uh, and Wang of the Week questions and answers. And Jombo, there was a big race happen over the weekend. Really? And, yeah, you may have heard of it. I'm Ancona. And uh, some pretty interesting racing happening. Really, how do you want to break this down? Well, I don't know why, but it was one of the best Konas that I can recall in terms of me being glued to the, 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 the computer. The interesting of the race. Yeah, it was like, and, and why was that? You didn't quite know what was going to happen. Well, I tell you one thing, John. I made a fatal error of it the night before. Mm-hmm. Joe made a beautiful roast chicken dinner. Yes. Because we don't do she, she doesn't like, Joe's always worried about getting sick from chicken. Mm-hmm. So we don't get chicken often. I right. love chicken. And so, and then I had apple strudel with cream. Yes. So I couldn't get to sleep because cream, and I have a lot of cream, yeah. and, and chicken does not work well together. Yeah. So I didn't get to sleep at 2 o'clock. So then I woke up, it's like 8.30. Oh, you missed the first part of the I action. I missed the swim. Hopefully a lot of you guys didn't miss a swim. Because uh, what happened? Well, so I'm, I'm, we'll try not to commentate the race here because a lot of you will have watched uh, a lot of it. But if, yep. you, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, chances are you maybe watched a swim part of the bike and you didn't necessarily stay up uh, all night long. So I was just going to give my sort of interpretations of how things unfolded and observations that I kind of saw. First thing was with the swim, and I'm sure this was an error, but when they started the males race, and some of you may or may not have observed this, they, they obviously do the, the paddle boards that sort of circle in front of yep, the line to keep them from, to keep them from going doing a John Newsom. and then just before the start gun goes those paddle boards get a warning and they turn and go and the paddle boards go vertical and then it creates a space for the for the for the 
athletes to start. And the men, they didn't do it. The gun went and they were still all horizontal. And so it seemed to me that all the athletes had to sort of duck dive under the boards. Oh, really? Uh, because by the time the females started afterwards, then the boards were all, they were in sync and it didn't happen again. Someone's that was in the trouble. First. Someone's in, someone Some, didn't do their job. And yeah, so the, and, and just those couple of strokes sometimes getting off the line, that can be the difference between you getting a good draft and not. And uh, I doubt it had an impact on the overall uh, outcome of the race, but still, it can make life a bit more difficult yeah. in terms of your draft. Uh, it was a different swim to what we've seen in previous years. You know, often we see those couple, two or three, two or three off the front, yeah. and you're going, they're not going to last, uh, and you kind of hope that things are going to break up a bit more. But what I was really excited was when that eight-man breakaway happened in the swim, was eight or nine of them, was that there was enough horsepower there that you're thinking – they could stay away for quite a while. So you had in this breakaway, you had uh, Patrick Langer, which was a surprise, but you had uh, Keenley, not Keenley, uh, you had Frodo, you had Braden Curry, you had uh, Tim O'Donnell, um, and you had Alistair Brownlee, and you go, there's a bit of horsepower there. They could stay away for quite some time. Langer was a real big surprise to me. He's typically not that good a swimmer, and so alarm bells would have been ringing when they came out of the swim, and Langer is sitting right with you, and you're thinking, if he can sit in there, he is just going to gas this race. Yep. Uh, so it was about three, about three and a half minutes back to the second group of nine. So there was several groups. It wasn't like this massive big group. And that contained a lot of the you know, the good all-rounders. Uh, Potts was a bit of a surprise. He wasn't in that front group. Yeah. Uh, Hoffman and Frimhold. Uh, and then there was another, uh, and then another minute or minute and a half back, that's when all the bikers came out. Keenlay, Sanders, Wirth and Skipper. And then there was a few that were completely out the back door. Um, Bart Arnott, who was second or third the year before, second. Uh, he was way down at nine minutes. So quite exciting coming out of the swim, thinking... You got some quite distinct groups here, but my thoughts were that that those big bikers were going to come through, and I kind of thought that they would probably catch them by the um, before the turnaround. The women's swim, um, the big surprise there for me was seeing Anne Haug come out uh, in with the, the main pack. Of course, she had Lucy Charles uh, smoking it off the front with uh, Lauren Brandon, and that's not not a surprise. But yeah, Anne Haug was the one that came out of the swim in a really good position and uh, set her day up nicely. But so this is when I started to see the race pretty much, and I got it out, woke up. Mm-hmm. Kind of sore, sore stomach, yeah. uh, and kind of thinking, okay, I think I had four, four, five in the main group at that stage, right? Yeah, you had Frodo, you had Brownlee, you had um, O'Donnell, yeah. Um, Curry had dropped off fairly early. Langer got popped pretty much from the the very start of the ride. And there was yeah. a couple of others in there at that stage. Mm. So what Morris happened to Curry? I don't know. I haven't seen any reports from him. He just dropped off he was there for a while and he just faded off and then he faded off into the second group and just kept going backwards yeah. all day long not his day not his day on the bike on the bike we'll talk about the run shortly yep. so as i said i kind of expected that the front group would would ride strong but you've got to think cam Worth when you got worth keenlay yeah. sanders uh skipper and all those guys together you're thinking together they've got to mow these guys down at the front but and he, when were you thinking that was going to happen? Because, you know, if you listen to the commentators, they're saying, you know what, probably hit, you know, kind of halfway and then they'll, they'll power home. Well, I, th- I thought they were going to absolutely gas it and catch them before the end of the Queen K, which is which has happened many times before. But when the lead wasn't coming down, I was thinking, oh, maybe they'll catch them at the turnaround. And it just it just wasn't coming happen, down. It was it? slowly coming down, but not particularly quickly. So uh, once they got to the turnaround, I thought, they may well stay away, stay away, or they may get caught just towards the end. But which was not enough of an advantage, was it? Like at that stage, you're thinking, what are you thinking, Brownlee? 
Well, no, no, I never thought Bradley. You never thought? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I was definitely think Frodo has just got this in the bag yep. because unless he's got a running injury or he explodes on the run. But yeah, I did think that the likes of Sanders and not um, and Worth and Keenlay would probably ride up to them. But then you're not going to. It's highly unlikely you're going to outrun him unless he has a, has a poor day. Um, so for those that didn't watch uh, particularly closely, Brownlee got a puncture at some stage during the bike, and he changed his wheel out at Harvey, and he dropped off uh, maybe about a minute off the pace, and then managed to ride back up to the group. Um, and when when I watched uh, Jan Fredino on Breakfast with Bob and his, his sort of post race uh, interview, he said that Brownlee wasn't particularly pleased when he when he caught back up. Oh, was he? <laughs> and, and he obviously worked pretty pretty hard to get back on. So if you didn't read all the reports, Langer, he was out basically directly at the end of the Queen K. And apparently he had a virus the night before. Mm. That's what they were saying in the commentary. If you're not on on no. on, on your game, and even if you're superhero, you know, Mark Allen, you ain't yeah. you ain't gonna win the race. And uh he was solo and it just he must have just been yeah, complete lack of energy. So yeah, so the bike was was interesting. Just the packs stayed together. But didn't you know? I mean, people were dropping off all the time, but nobody kind of break away and made a really big statement on the bike, which except for Frodo towards the end. And towards the end, he pulled away and put like three minutes on he, on bloody Brownlee he, and a couple of minutes on Tim. He opened a can of whooper somewhere between scenic lookout, which uh, and the airport. He just dropped them, didn't he? Dropped the hammer and. It's not that the others, Brownlee was fading, but Tim O'Donnell didn't look like he was fading because the gaps were staying the same back to the other yeah. the other groups. It was a case of Frodo just absolutely opening a can of whoop ass and uh, and absolutely making a statement. So coming off the, off the bike, uh, he had a two minutes 18 over Tim O'Donnell and then uh, Brownlee got caught just towards the end and it was four to five minutes back to the, the likes of Brownlee, Hoffman, uh, Sanders, Keenlay, etc., uh, now Hoffman was 11.55 down, so he was a long way down, and Curry was 14.35 down. He rode a, he rode a 4.30. Mm. It's, it's well off the pace. Yeah, maybe he had some, maybe something went wrong in terms yeah. of equipment, but maybe he just faded and was going backwards all day. Uh, also, if you if you were glued to the coverage all the way through, uh, my question is, how many drink bottles did Jan Fredino miss? <laughs> I know. My God. The guy is a... True, absolute legend, one of the greatest ever. My God, he just—he was just not slowing down. He was just kept on pedaling. Half time he was on his aero bars. I was like, man, he must just have be like a camel and be able to store that stuff. Well, it's because, a big risk, yeah. You know, because he, he went through some aid stations and again he did he. Yeah, you know, if I did that, I, I'd just be a death march. You know, these guys are on the borderline of you know tweaking everything to the to the milligram. Yeah. You, know? you miss it. You ain't getting another drink for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. So that was uh, was was interesting, uh, both that he couldn't actually uh, grab hold of the bottles, uh, and secondly, that he actually able to sustain his energy without getting that hydration. Okay, so we are focusing on the men's race now. We'll talk about what happened in the women's bike and run later on. Coming off the bike, you're thinking Fredino's got it. Absolutely. But what do you think is happening after that? I'm thinking absolutely Keenlay is going to get second. Okay. I just thought that his the way he's been running, I thought he's going to mow them down. And I thought if uh, if Fredino is not on his on his game, this could get interesting. You yep. know, I still think definitely thought Fredino was going to take it, but I thought um, that he that um, Keenlay was going to absolutely crush that run, and he certainly started that yeah. way, and he looked awesome. 
um, but it wasn't meant to be. So yeah, just in terms of the bike conditions, um, you'll hear later on, we, we talked to Dave Dwan, who's got a lot of experience out there, not in the race, but in terms of being out there on camps, riding out there a lot. Uh, it looked to me like it was windy in places and, and really quite windy in places, but it also looked uh, not windy in, in places where I, I would have expected it. So um, yeah, it looked like a bit of an odd one, quite quite variable. So, but not certainly the times would tell us that it wasn't crazy hard ass conditions, but enough to go. Yeah, I got a bit of kind of wind out there. Well, and oh, we'll talk about that later on. Okay, so then the run. Well, no, should we go? We'll go the woman on the bike. Okay. And, uh, well, we've, the, the the big the big talking point is what happened to Daniela. Yeah, she must have either been sick, had GI distress, or. Because the first half of the bike, it was, it was almost copy-paste from last year. Mm. Lucy took off. You're going to think, okay, Lucy's going to fade a little bit in the last bit, and Daniela will put... Because remember last year, she took like 15 minutes off in the second half of the ride. Yeah, oh, she crushed it. You know, and so you're thinking, okay, she's doing her thing, she trusts herself, and once she goes, game over. Yeah. And it just didn't happen. No, so there was clearly something wrong with her. It's not that she just had no. a, a bad day. Uh, she was just... Uh, we'll find out uh, further down the track what actually happened to her, but she was uh, she was gone, Burger, and good on her for, for keeping on going. So as we... Yeah, I think... Did anybody not pick Daniela? I mean, you, you, you really... No, you no, couldn't. No. Yeah, even if she was at... Even if she was only at ninety five percent, she would have been close to the win. I was just so trying to research if she actually said what's happened, but I couldn't find anything. So, yeah. um, but good on her. For, yeah, good on her for not publicising it really heavily as well, because you could throw your toys out of the cot and give up give up all these reasons. But she's obviously kept her, her sort of head below the sand a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, that threw completely through the race open. I I put a post on Facebook um, midway as well before halfway, saying, okay, what what are your revised picks here? And uh, happy to say that I picked that right. And Haug, the way that she swam and got to take her hat off she was doing a lot of work on the bike as well she is minuscule in terms of how small she is like Rennie is small and how is tiny oh really uh and so she was doing a lot of work on the bike and i was thinking she is going to run well here uh i didn't expect her to necessarily run quite as well as she did when she'd done so much on the bike but uh yeah i i thought even with ten minutes, Lucy Charles is going to going to struggle to to hold her off. Uh, so that that was my call. Was was Haug was going to take it? Um, and but you know, like if Lucy could have ran a sub three, she could have. But and and a lot of people will look at their splits in a moment. She didn't run terribly. She ran a three oh six. She ran a three oh five the previous year. Yep. It's not like she ran terribly. She is capable of more. But there was a lot of talk that her runs improved a lot this year. Mm. You know, that was you know everyone, you know all the commentary and all the work they've been doing. And you know, recently someone to explain to her park run time. Mm. So we didn't really see the run gain that that had been talked about. Yeah, and even even if she had run three, it still would have been then, then it would have been pretty close. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of thought. She was going to go backwards a bit, and uh, and to her credit, she she held on really nicely. So, women's bike ride, you know, the big thing there was that the group that formed out there stayed together, and it didn't come back in ones or twos or anything like that. There was that group of I don't know, it must have been five or six or seven that basically came off the bike together. And of course, she thought Anne Haug is going to going to gas all these females here because she's the best runner in the group. But we don't really see that that often in terms of that group staying together and working together so that was cool and it really just highlights um, the strength of the, the females field and it is becoming a bit more of a race a bit like the males event yeah totally so then the run um, the run for the men yeah as I said I thought Keenley was going to run up to second um, uh, so he started strong started strong and, uh, and I thought he's going to run Tim O'Donnell down but he, he didn't he he, he 
then it got to about halfway and then I think it kind of stayed the same and then it, I think it went back the other way a little bit towards the end. So Kinlay pretty much said the same thing. He said he thought he was running fantastic first half and he thought he was going to do it. The training had suggested that he was going to be able to crush the second half and uh, just wasn't able to, to deliver. So still good to see him back on the podium. Pretty stoked about that. Uh, and I would say Jan Fredino. To, to me, didn't look like he was running that fast. No, he didn't. Re- Especially with, if, and I'm sure most of our listeners watched the two-hour thing the night before, mm. and it was just interesting watching the technique. Now, I know Ironman's totally different, and 240 is different to a sub two, mm. um, but it was like, he, he's got a pretty slow cadence. Mm. He's, he's a very tall fella. Yeah, he is very tall. Um, but yeah, you weren't thinking, oh my God, he's blitzing it. When you when you look at him running compared to when you've watched uh, Langer running, you see Langer is just smoking it the whole way through. Yeah. Frodo, you know, he was uh, just, looked like he was just loping along yeah, and did, keeping he? it under control. So when I saw 242, I thought, holy crap, that's impressive. Um, so yeah, uh, the writing was on the wall pretty much at the start of the run and it was going to be a case of him exploding or uh, being injured or something like that. Uh, and he didn't. And he just delivered, and he kept on pushing, which was noteworthy. And, and I noted in his post-race, you know, talk, he said he felt, re, you know, as good as you can feel in Kona. He felt good, pretty much all the way through the day. And we got that performance where I was so stoked he went under the record because I just thought that performance. He was almost first out of the swim. He was either second or yeah, third out of the swim. He was lead all day, didn't he? He. You can almost. say his first house swim because it's a pick. Yeah. You know, and, it's just a sprint at the end. And he almost had the fastest bike split. Uh, and but he led the bike. Yep. And he did have the, I'm pretty sure he had the fastest run split. So it's a complete performance. It was just crushing to set a course record in conditions that were were significantly tougher on the bike than the previous year. Uh, I was stoked because he, he go, I don't have anything against Patrick Langer, but I'm, I'm, for you whatever reason, to, John. You I'm, I'm, I'm happier that Fredino's got the record than, than Langer, and God, that was impressive. Well, to me, it was a statement, mm. you know, because when we think of, if he was around the last two years, who knows what happens in triathlon and the Kona World Championships, and he, he you know, he's go, he would have gone down a legend in the sport anyway because he won two, but this race really cements him at that next level, mm. you know, like this puts him at Mark and Dave level, doesn't it? You know, and you'd, you'd look at him and you'd say, you know, like to me, Mac is a great, mm. but he's not Mark and Dave. Yep. Whereas I think this performance for Frodino really takes him to the next level. Oh, totally. And and what else he's done elsewhere in terms of winning pretty much every Ironman he's done, with the exception of the first Kona. Um, what did he win? No, he didn't win the first Kona. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's won most of the races that he's done, and in convincing fashion. And, and just, done. just you know, like this was a statement last year, and I, 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 I kind of talked to him a little bit on race day on, on last year, and he was he was, and he even said post this race last year was just such a hard day. It was the hardest day of my life almost, mm. um, and he was he was in a real emotional place last year, and for him to come back and perform like this, you know, and it wasn't you know last year was a world record day, mm. this year was a fastest still day, fast, but not a world record day, mm. and he just made a statement. He was like he just showed everyone I'm the best. Yeah, no, you know, you, you guys, I'm another level, mm. you know, because he beat. You know, it's eight minutes. Yeah, and then and people like Keenlay are going, I can have my best day and I'm not close and to we'll that. And look at O'Donnell. Like, O'Donnell, what a race. Yeah. What no. a race. Like, who think, if I said to you three years ago, Tim O'Donnell's going to get second in Kona in three years from now. Well, he has had a third. Yeah, and, but three and, years from now? Yeah, and you always do say there's going to be one on the podium that's a little bit of a surprise, but yeah, for him to hold off the And, the and he ran field. a great race. Yeah. You know, he was tough at the end, mm. you know, ran a, look at his, his times, it's a good solid triathlon performance. What this tells us is, from now on, 
when you're making your Kona picks, you don't even look at what's happened during the year. It means just about nothing. No. Uh, and we've seen that time and time again. Although, no, you, you went on keenly because of his performance. Yeah, true. Um, but everyone else, you know, Langer doesn't perform during the year and then he performs in Kona. Fredino's just the next level. Um, but so many athletes have, you know, whether they perform or not during the season doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a good Kona. And Tim O'Donnell was one that he only got third, I think, at Ironman Boulder behind guys that yeah. you would classify as, you know, that no disrespect sort of second tier guys uh, and then to turn that round and, and I was do just that. so happy for him because mm. it was and you could see he was pumped wasn't he mm. you know but it was just like you know like on that day no one's been for dinner mm. you know so a second place on that day is, is stellar yeah before we go to the girls run let's just break down the men's top 10 um, pretty nothing, no real surprise other than number 8 yeah, so um, Philip Kootenay, I don't actually know too much about him, and I haven't actually looked into him before today's uh, show. He was probably the one surprise. So first place, Jan Verdino, 47 minutes swim, 4.16 on the bike, 2.42 run for a, a 7.51 new course record. Uh, Timothy O'Donnell, 47 swim, 4.18 on the bike and a 2.49 run. And uh, it was quite funny watching him in one of the interviews. He was... He, he, he ticked quite a few boxes, he said, on that day. Got, got a sub-eight performance, nice. which was awesome. Uh, got a um, podium, which was awesome. Um, but he also got the household run record, which I think oh, he was quite okay. happy about. <laughs> Not by that much. He went 249.45, and I think Rennie's record was 250-something. Yeah. So well, I think he was gold. pretty happy about that. <laughs> uh, Keenlay was third. He came home in a 249. I think he was expecting to run a low 240s, and if he'd done that, uh, he would have got himself up second Ben Hoffman was one of the big movers on the run yeah. uh, from uh, you know, nearly 12 minutes down he ran a 2.43 to run up to fourth Cameron Worth had a pretty solid day um, not that spectacular on the bike compared to what we've seen in the past but he did a 2.55 which is, which is do, awesome do, do we think that's because he raced too close to the race who knows or rode slightly more conservatively on the bike I'm not sure but when you you say conservative, it's still 4.14. Yeah, but you got to pull off your weapons, don't you? You do. So, you know, because that's the thing of, you know, like he pulls back on his weapons so he can run well, but you still want to get fifth. Yeah. So, I mean, um, but that's a step up for him, which is good. Yep. And a 2.55. What are, The main thing I'd say about all the, the run times and the feedback I've heard is run conditions were pretty good, pretty overcast. And, you know, normally... You, uh, uh, if you, there's only one or two, you know, maybe three, maybe four runs and in the 240s, yeah. and 250, there's sorry. lots, there's lots of 240 run splits here. And normally, you run a 240 something, that's going to run you into the top ten. And I see in eleventh place, um, 247, Jan van Berkel, you know, someone like David McNamee, he's run himself up to third place with a yeah. with a run split like and that. From nowhere, yeah, it's from nowhere. So run was obviously uh, a lot more friendly this year. Joe Skipper had a pretty good all round race. Just steady. He got a puncher. I see on the bike, and I, I you know, I, I think he'll come away from it satisfied. But when I spoke to him last week, I, I think it'll be similar to last year. Two fifty three. I think he's capable of a little bit better than that. Yep. And so I think he especially was, if you take a couple minutes for a puncher, puncher. Mm, you know, so that gets him that gets him down to fifth spot. Satisfactory result for him. Braden Curry came back from nowhere with a 246 yeah, for seventh. Nice. Philip Kootenay from Switzerland. Don't know much about him. Bart Arnotts came back from. Miles off the pace, ten nearly ten minutes uh, down in the swim with a two fifty one on the run, so he managed to get his ninth place. And Chris Leifman in first time in Kona, a uh, good strong performance, and he took out the tenth place. So what we learned from Kona is that if you're a strong runner, you can run up to top five. Normally, yeah, and, to this and, and that's what we kind of see. Look at Braden Curry; he got mm. to fifth. Um, you know, like 
you, you, a good run can bring you up. You got se- seventh, but yeah, it, it normally can bring you up more than that. So really quick run times mm. of the of the athletes that um, who who disappoints just didn't, didn't perform. So uh, Matthew Russell, of, yeah, Matt Russell put himself in a position to have a stellar race because uh, he's just normally a strong runner, and and that may have been his downfall was. He had a good swim. He was riding with others, whereas normally he's just TTing through the field, and that dynamic may have been a reason why he didn't run quite as well. There may have been something else going on. But I was thinking he might uh, he might sort of crack the top five almost. What do you think of Brownlee? Um, if the Brownlee finished in twenty first place, ran to, a three thirteen. To, to be honest, faded pretty much straight away. Yeah, f- uh, see, he felt okay on the run, and then the uh, was was fading on the, at the end of the bike, and you know, pretty early in the run, uh, started fading and, and just sort of got through it. To be honest, I'm not that surprised. It's kind of what I thought it might happen. Which but do we see a future? Well, only if he gets back to near his best. And we've got to say, the guy's still a weapon. Like he finished third, was it? Second. It's second at 70.3 worlds. He got second at 70.3 worlds. That's a good result. But it was not done in the way in Brownlee-esque fashion. So unless he can somehow get back to his previous or near his you know, high level, then he might be a contender. So I think there's... There's that side of it, and there's also you got to go. Well, maybe he's just nutritionally can't get enough fuel into for for a long distance race. Well, the thing I'd love to know is, does he enjoy it? Mm. You know, because if we look at um, God, who's who's the Gomez? Go- Gomez last year mm. didn't come back. Yeah, you know, and I wonder, and he's trying to get to the Olympics now. Gomez is still doing pretty well. Um, I wonder if you know, for a guy like this who's been the fast guy. If, because we see that some of these ITU guys come across it's just like Bevan Doherty mm-hmm. you know that wicked New Zealand performance never really cracked Kona always kind of frustrated with himself for that race but you never got the sense that he loved Ironman did you? Yeah so I don't, I don't know with Brownlee because you've got to want it don't you? Yeah you've got to want it big time and so you I know? think he's clearly got the ingredients there but just just when it seems when he's getting past that you know getting towards that four hour mark and in this case it was further than that uh, he's just seeming to just fade, and, he, and he, I'm not sure if he quite knows why himself. It sounds like he was pretty fit, uh, so not quite sure. But Sanders, uh, Sanders, yeah, again, not massively surprising given his build-up. So he sort of faded pretty badly on the run. But of the DNFs, uh, so he had quite a few big names: Boris Stein, Patrick Nilsson, Matt Hansen. I was actually picking him to go quite well. Patrick Langer, obviously, big disappointment. I had Andy Boucherer. Uh, I'd picked him to get on the podium, and he DNF'd. David McNamee, he'd been through the last couple of years. Cody Beals, a lot of people were picking him to do good things after his performances in the last uh, sort of 12 months. I also had Andreas Dreitz in my top five. So quite a few guys not performing and sadly for us Mike Phillips didn't perform unfortunately he pulled out before the race uh, with an injury uh, and Starkowitz also pulled out before the race with sickness I think oh bugger because that was cute okay let's go to the female with the run so uh, Lucy gets off the bike in the lead you're thinking Anne's race Definitely thought uh, it was Anne's race uh, if she she ran well, so she had to make up. I think it was nine or ten minutes, something like that. Uh, and the way Anne Haug started that run, I thought she's going to smoke it. And the way she'd raced Copenhagen not that long ago, I thought she's going to absolutely crush this. Did think Lucy Charles? I kind of it kind of panned out how I thought it might pan out. I thought she'd fade a bit, and I wasn't sure how many people might run her down. Uh, now, if you haven't watched the coverage and you get a chance to go on the Ironman. Um, now whatever they call it uh, Facebook page you can actually go back and watch all the race and they've also got highlight packages in there 
But if you don't don't didn't hear this news, the the pass Sarah Crowley caught up to Lucy Charles on the way back in towards Kona. Um, must have been about five k's out from the finish, roughly. She passed. Uh, Lucy Charles in reasonably convincing fashion got a decent sized gap and then you, you wait a couple more k's down the road coming up Mark and Dave Hill Sarah Crowley KO'd she was exploded uh, and it was just you could just see she was struggling to get one foot in front of the other uh, she was still running but she was battling and Lucy Charles to her credit recalled her up past her and just gassed it down Palani and into the finish for second place so that would have given her a lot more satisfaction uh, than going from first to third knowing that you fought all the way and you put out your best performance yeah. uh, that would have been pretty satisfying for her um, so, so what else happened in the run? Any other, any other things on a female run that kind of stands out? Oh, just Anne, Anne Haug, 251.07, almost a course record, not quite, but very close to it. And I was just so impressed with the way that she did the whole race. You know, she like Fredino, she swam well, she biked well, and she ran well. Uh, so thoroughly impressed, one of the fastest times ever, quicker than what she went last year when she finished in third place. Uh, so... Yeah, very, very impressed with that performance and good on her. What I would say, um, yeah, so in terms of the top five, uh, Anne Haug, 54 swim, 450 on the bike, 251 run for an 840.10, beating Lucy Charles by over six minutes. Uh, and then another couple of minutes back to Sarah Crowley, who still went a 259.20, so she must have been on target to run about a, a 255 or 256 if she hadn't uh, completely detonated. Laura Phillip. Um, I think it was her first time in Kona and she's a weapon runner as well so she uh, has a, the red mark next to her name because she didn't run well as expected based off Torsten's ratings. She was in fourth, um, Heather Jackson had a good strong race in fifth um, and then Kaiser Sali was sixth, Corinne Abraham and I did see this finish, she just nipped past Carrie Lester oh, really? somewhere in the finishing shoot. Maybe, oh in the finishing maybe, shoot, maybe, one by two seconds. Maybe even on the line and I thought geez, that looked close was that? It was two females, uh, so she came back really nicely with a 2.59 run. Uh, Carrie Lester in eighth, she was in contention coming off the bike, but only ran a 3.09, as was Daniela Blaymeyer from Germany. She won road a couple of years ago. She rode really strongly uh, for ninth, and Lindsay Corbin uh, rounded out the top ten. So Daniela Rafe ended up coming in at 9.14. She ran a 3.20. Um, Imogen Simons, who we had on the show last week, she kind of faded in the run as well because she was up there early off the bike, wasn't she? She was, yep. yeah. Uh, disappointments in the female race. Obviously, Daniela's the big one, but any others that you look at and you go, hmm. Well, you never kind of knew what uh, Sarah True was going to be able to produce, having to race loads this year. Another one that myself and, and lots of other people picked was Jocelyn McCauley. Uh, she DNF'd, uh, so no bike time finish there. Marinda Carfrey, she'd been battling with a... What was it a broken elbow? Uh, and then it sounded like she had some issues on the bike as well. So she DNF'd. So again, like the males field, quite a few, um, quite a few DNF's there. Caroline Stephen didn't really perform as you'd hoped. No, and no. it's it's but much it's understandable. She's kind of moved on, hasn't she? Yeah, and it's yeah, it's much. There's a lot of explosions, you know. So you, you go top ten on Torsten's ratings, top fifteen. There's a lot of athletes highlighting green on both the men's and the female side, and then the bottom uh, half of the field, everybody's names highlighted in red, meaning they really didn't have their the day that they wanted. So lots of people probably came away di uh, disappointed. You had Caroline Stephen there in twenty fourth, Laura Sedell one place back in twenty fifth. Uh, so quite a few. Disappointing days. We have a history on the show to pick the 33rd athlete 
Uh, so who was 33rd in both the male and the female? John, who was the male? So on the male, and we, uh, if, I'll, I'll get this on Facebook as well in a moment, Josh Amberger, who was the swim leader, and he rode with the leaders for, for quite some time. He was uh, 33rd on the males. And, and the females. You, you find the 33rd in the females. Meredith Kessler. Meredith Kessler, and she had a really good swim. I, mean, I know she is a good swimmer, but... Uh, she wasn't there she fit up on the bike. She's just... And blew up in the run. She came in five hours. She can't seem to perform in Kona. Because she's won lots of races, isn't she? She has. Yeah. Um, okay, what else we got here, John? Uh, uh, did anyone so, else uh, think uh, that the basketball... Or, oh, yeah, so, so Lucy <laughs> Charles Barkley. Yep, they, definitely. They kept on saying Charles Barkley on the on the, yeah. the race. And I was just going, he's a basketballer. He's not a triathlete, yeah. he's a basketballer. No, yeah, it definitely worked. Um, age group racing? Age group racing. Some we'll, we'll maybe go through some age group stuff over the next few weeks, but very fast times on the age group. Um, 8.35.12 was the first uh, place overall in the men's, Sergio Marquez. Now, he was an ex-pro. I did thought, oh, he's an ex-pro. I'll look him up. Uh, and it does. he looks legit. He's an engineer and, and so on. Okay. So a lot of people will be getting ripping their undies up about that. That's bloody fast. Um, but he is an ex-pro. And I'm, oh, we always go back to that debate. But 23 males uh, went sub nine hours. Oscar Glindes, another former top pro, won yeah. loads and loads of Ironmans. He was the last uh, male to just nip up under the nine-hour barrier. Uh, a lot of people won't be pleased, and I heard there was some booing when this uh, Alexander Vinokurov went up to get his age group medal. He won his age group. He was sixth overall. He's an ex-former pro cyclist with a very checkered history. Uh, so, yeah. The problem is, is it still checkered? Mm-hmm. You know? That's mm-hmm. why when Lance came along and was, he was going to do the races, you kind of go, well, what's the say he's not using drugs now? Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, and also, I did no. Allegedly. I'm not saying this guy is. Allegedly. <laughs> and uh, Laurent, Laurent Jalabert, who's a former, very, very top pro cyclist, he was also second in his age group in the one of the 50s groups. So the first male. What about female age groupers? Hold on. First, oh. first, female, first male age grouper would have finished 30th in the pro race. So not that they would have been that competitive. No. Females, 17 sub 10 hour performances. So, you know, somewhat similar to the sub nines on the, the boys' side. First female won by 14 minutes. Wow. That is a dojo domination. Dodge Not quite a dojo man. domination, but holy crap. In, in Kona, that is pretty awesome. Uh, so, her name was Ruth Purbuck, and she did 9.20.06. That's a great effort. To win your age group in Kona, to win all age groups in Kona by 14 minutes. 14 minutes and 40 seconds. That's impressive, she, man. She ran a 3.17. She went, swam 101, biked a 4.55, uh, and then ran a 3.17. That's that's awesome. What an effort. That's solid. Yeah, that's sensational. Uh, coverage, John. I thought it was really good. Um, so did I, actually. I, I, I thought they, hey, there's no ads nowadays. Yeah, no blenders. No blenders, no beds, no bloody, I don't know. Whatever, and they advertise other races. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Yeah. And, and it, but it was in the corner, so yeah. you could keep watching the race, which I, it was brilliant. I thought that, and uh, so it was just nice not to have the advertising because often they do advertising in the past and a bit of pivotal time in the race. They put an ad in. Sure, they mm. might have something in the small corner. Um, so that was I really liked that. Uh, it seemed to me, especially earlier in the race, I thought they did a really good job of inserting more athlete interviews. Yep. So, you know, right, here's Anne Howe to talk about how she approaches a bike. So I thought that was really well done. Um, they had some good guests come in in terms of Craig Alexander and Mark Allen. I thought they added... And they added insight, don't they? Yeah, really good insight. Yeah, even like Mark Allen, it's greener. <laughs> yeah. like, just stuff like that, you know, just the... You know, these are the guys who know this race better than anyone else. To bring them in really adds value. And one thing you've got to give... 
those guys and, and pretty much all uh, uh, as a bit of a break is when you're over there watching the race, you don't actually really know what the hell's going on. Yeah. And so you're sitting there for eight, nine, ten hours watching it. You actually have got probably better insight than what most of the guests coming on. So I, th- I sometimes think maybe they get criticised, but... No, I don't, we don't... You know what, in fairness... We don't hear much criticism of the the Kona coverage. They do mm. a pretty great job. And the commentators, yeah, they get a few things wrong, but... Yeah, come on. Come on. For that period of time. One other thing that I did notice, and I'm not sure if they did this more, of, more often than they have in the past, there seemed to be a few more breakouts into scenic um, shots. You know, there, I remember there was a picture of some young fellas surfing, and they sometimes did some scan overs over different areas, and I thought that was cool. It's much more what you kind of get in the Tour de France. Yeah. You know, you're watching the race, and then they'll scan off and, and show a picture of a village or, or a fancy church, and uh, I thought that was good um, in, in doses. One thing that, a couple of things that I thought they could do better is um, maybe having a static camera somewhere on the run or a camera that's kind of moving around a bit, not just following the leaders. So this, then you get to see that battle between fourth and tenth because there was a lot of that in the males and the females. Well, race. I did think they could have had a picture on picture of what was happening in the other field. Because mm. like, like when I first came on, I was showing a lot of the female race mm-hmm. and I couldn't really see what's happening in the men. And so I always think that maybe what they're better off doing is, is by all means focus on one field at one time, but just have a picture on picture in the back corner of what's happening in the other sexes field. Yeah. Because cause you just want to see what's happening. And like, cause I think I was watching for about 15 minutes. I didn't even know what was happening in the men's race, mm. um, which was fine. You know, that's cool. But I just think that if they just had a little picture in the corner, just showing the other race at either time when they switch between, mm. it helps you keep your kind of idea of what's happening in the other race. Other things I thought they could do a little bit better is, you know, often are just showing one picture, one person in the picture on the bike particularly. So just a bit more scan, a bit more panning, both looking up and down the group. I thought it'd be cool. I think we'd all love to see GPS and surely that's got to come. Now, well, I suppose the thing is, if you're, because we, do you watch it on Facebook? Uh, yep. Did you go to the Facebook, um, the Ironman Live yep. page? Did they have, all that stuff there because in the past I used to have that well no uh, I think it's all just predicted it's not GPS it's predicted when you're going to come to the next spot so yes they they may well have had that but it's still predictions it's not live data um and then the other thing I thought would be quite cool to add in as well is, that, you know, I thought they did a good job bringing in like the little interviews and stuff, but maybe a bit more uh, some some little history stories as you're going through. It is a long race, and as long as you can do that in a corner, you know, you can have a bit more history about particular places on the course. And, and this is how what is good in the Tour de France, you know, yep. do a little profile on on Harvey and what's special about there, and maybe some of the action they've seen in the past. But, but does that get stale if it's the same thing every year? That's true. And that's yeah, because Tour de France changes, changes. locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway. I, get, I get what you mean, but in three years we go, oh, we've heard that before. You, totally. You know, yep. it's a hard one. You've got some random random pits here. We'll go one-to-one, John. Jan Frodeno set a new course best in 7.51, beating Patrick Langer's course of 7.52.39, so just over a minute. It was the third year in a row the men's course best was broken after Langer beat, beat Craig Alexander's long-standing course record achieved in 2011. Uh, so, yeah. It's gone from Crowey to Langer to Jan Fredino. Well, four individual courses were best were broken in 2018 in ideal conditions. Jan Fredino has only managed to break the overall course record this year with a steady and strong performance. The longest standing maintaining, uh, lo- longest standing remaining individual course record is Marinda Carfrey's marathon time of 2 hours 50, 26, achieved in 2014. Which really shows how the sport's grown in the last 10 years. Because when we first started doing this podcast... It was like, is anyone ever going to beat the Kona record? Yeah. You know, was anyone going to beat Mark and Dave? No one runs as fast as they ever ran. You know, and um, whereas 
And then you saw the girls kind of jump. When Chrissy came on, the girls jumped forward. Mm-hmm. You know, so in the last 10 years with the girls, you saw it. But it's only really been the last five years the men have really gone to the next level at Kona. I, th- I totally agree. The last couple of years in particular, the standard seems to have gone up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good times. Uh, Jan Fernando is the first German athlete to win all three Ironman World Championship titles. Uh, Anne Haug is the first German to win the an Ironman What's World mean? Championship. Win all three, or win three. Oh, sorry, just win, win three. three. Sorry, yep, yep, yep. Germany's six consecutive titles now match Australia's winning streak from tw- 2007 through to 2012. Nice. Um, and the first time in nine years that both Ironman world champions hail from the same country. Uh, last time that ever happened was when Carfrey and McCormick done it. Uh, so, yep. Uh, Tim O'Donnell uh, became only the fourth athlete to break the magical eight-hour barrier in Kona, uh, behind Langer, Bart Arnott's last year, and Jan Fredino this year. Uh, at the, the end of Daniela Reese winning streak, oh, sorry, it ends Daniela Reese Reese winning streak. That means that no female professional has won more than three, four titles, sorry, in a row. Daniela's streak lasting from 15 through to 18 match Paula Newby Fraser's winning streak, and yeah, so yeah. Uh, ever since placing second in the 2014 Ironman World Championship, Daniela Reef has won every full distance Ironman she's entered and completed. In fact, she only failed to finish one race in that time frame, which was uh, 2016 Ironman Germany. Lucy Charles Barkley, not the basketball no, player, no. Um, swim time of 49.02 marked the fifth fastest swim in history, only 40 seconds slower, 48 seconds slower than her record in 2018. Charles Barkley, not, not the basketball, basketball player, <laughs> uh, has three of the top five swims in the history of Kona. I wonder if they thought about that when she went for a double barrel She probably always needs a t-shirt where she's pulling her Charles Barkley's head down and it's her coming through. But she's a lot younger than us, so she probably doesn't even know who Charles Barkley is. Yeah, but no, <laughs> no now. Yeah, no, but like everyone would know. Like you, they surely, when they knew the high from the name, they knew that it was going to be a problem. I reckon I've got a market. That's a great marketing idea, of mine, isn't it? She's literally like pulling Mark Charles Barkley's head across, and she's coming up through the top. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I'll take some commission on that. Roderick Sewell became the first bilateral above the knee amputee awesome. to finish the Vega Ironman World Championships on prosthetic legs. He completed the race in sixteen hours, twenty-six minutes, and fifty-nine minutes. He's also the first American bilateral above the knee amputee to finish the World Championships. I saw the photos of him coming across the line. Mm. Oh, God, that was impressive. Oh, so impressive. And then lastly, over the last decade, seven men and five women have completed 20 Ironman World Championship titles. So, so they've been spread out basically by only 12 people. Mm. We had some other races on, John. We did indeed. So, um, oh, just, oh, we'll just lastly wrap it up. What are your thoughts? Great race. Oh, great year. It was it was amazing. It was just a big weekend of sport all round. We beat the Australians in the netball. <laughs> did you watch that? I did not watch that. Oh, I watched it. It was great. Uh, we saw a, a you know, first sub two-hour Marathon run, um, so that was well, pretty we'll, amazing. We'll talk about that at the end, because eh? yeah. And we saw a new woman's world record in the marathon. marathon so in Japan, right. beat the Scottish. Oh, go the Japanese. The Scottish, and they were whinging like crazy because they're going to take you to court, and it's all blacks, blue blacks. Yeah, mate, you got to win. You got to win. <laughs> we, uh, the weekend before last, we did have Ironman Barcelona. Uh, Florian Angert took that out. Um, I'm pretty sure I picked him to actually take that. I said, "Watch out for that fella." I think that might have been his first Ironman. Uh, in seven hours forty-five minutes, I swam forty-five, rode a four-oh-six, and ran a two-forty-eight to beat out good old Freddie Van Laird uh, by eight minutes. And Nick Castelline was in third place. Uh, and then on the female side, Sarah Svensik from Sweden took that out with a no. 
know, not a dojo domination, but a pretty convincing win. Uh, swam 56, rode 436, and ran a 256. Geez, that's a bounced race for an 834, beating out Laura Zimmerman and Katrine Versteif. So that was on uh, two weekends ago. We, we were pre-recording last week's show, so we didn't get to... Um, see that we did also have last weekend uh, we had the 70 uh, no the Ironman Louisville and unfortunately the bloody swim got cancelled again uh, I'm not sure if that's again for them or not but the swim got cancelled yeah, which a bummer, is a, isn't it? there was algae in the the um, problem with that is is the person who's their one and done experience oh yeah you still could say you've done an Ironman but it does have the asterisk next to it it does yeah. so taking that out was Eric Engel uh, in 7.51, so that's without the swim. Um, Jay Henrik was second, and Jay Marshall was third. And on the female side of things, top age group female. The, the, the app is pretty good these days. Well, this is good to know, John. Yeah. <laughs> to know. Um, El Rochero took it out in 8.48 by 12 minutes um, over... An Austrian, V. Brockler, and Kristen Yaks. Why don't they just put all full names in here? And C. Alexander was fourth in the females race. Well, there you go. There so go. good work if you uh, got through Louisville and shame you didn't get this one. Okay, so just some other news I actually announced this during the race. Ironman Kazakhstan will be taking place on the 23rd of August in 2020. Kazakhstan is the fifth largest country located in Eastern Ninth. Europe. Oh, sorry, ninth uh, in Western Asia, making it one of the few transcontinental countries in the world. Kazakhstan and its capital, New Sitan, uh, also known as Astana, have undergone a rapid transformation since the independence in 1990. When you think Kazakhstan, what do you think? Drugs and cycling. Oh, I thought boring. Or Dimitri Gag. I just thought boring. Okay, guys. <laughs> there you go. So that'll be an interesting race to see how it gets along. Uh, other races coming up this weekend, John? Got the Great Floridian. It's the 19th edition. So one of the long-standing long course races. Also have all sorts of other festival events going on. And we've got Super League coming back this weekend. It wasn't racing of last time. Someone was telling me it was so windy in Super League that... Oh, yeah. And the, the one they had a f- couple of weeks ago in Jersey where it just became a... Uh, they cancelled the bikes. It became a, a multiple aquathon. Oh, okay. So this weekend, Super League, the format is Saturday they do uh, sort of qualifying where they have two uh, enduro races back-to-back for to get your finalists. So you've got the top five from two semifinals go through to the final and then the five fastest qualifiers. They swim 300, bike 4Ks, run 1.6, and then do that all again and uh, first five go through automatically. And then on Sunday, uh, this, will, uh, this will be an interesting format again. So they start with... A a three and a half kilometer bike time trial and then whatever your time is based off that then it's a pursuit start and they're going to do uh, the same as I said before the sort of double enduro so I think on the guys side I don't think you're going to see much separation with their times you know there might be a couple of seconds here or there um, the females you might see a little bit more so yeah there's going to be really small time gaps but that might be enough to sort of split the groups up quite a bit and uh, have sort of ones and twos and threes everywhere so if you want a bit of action this weekend Super League if you miss it they always have it um, still up on their Facebook page or YouTube and you can go back and watch it. It's always good. Even if you know the results, there's usually some pretty good action. I'm just looking through the discussion of the week from this week. So the discussion of the week was pick your top three. Uh, John, not when no one got it. No, I, I think 
myself and lots of people probably got Fredino. Yeah, a couple of people got Fredino and Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one got the no one got all three. I, in the I didn't get my. Uh, I was I was predicting a top five um, for the Germans. I think I had uh, Dreitz in there as well. I had Buscher and both of those DNF'd, and then I had uh, I definitely had Fred, Frodo and Keenlay and somebody else. So and I don't think I had Lang. I think I had Langer maybe. I don't maybe. think anyone even got the top three in the females. No, so I think again most people would have had Reef. I think a lot of people would have had Lucy Charles. Quite a lot of people would have had. Uh, True, there's quite true. a bit of true. Yep. Um, Hog. Yep. A lot of people would have had Annie Haug. And uh, yeah, all in all. Got a few Rennies in there. It's a good day. Well, it's good that it's interesting, isn't it? That's what we want. We want yeah. a good, interesting way. This week's discussion, the, John. The big question would be, I wonder how close it would have been if Daniela had been on her you know, good A game, you know, similar performance to last year, how close it would have been. Because you think last, you know, if she came off the bike. Oh, well, last year was... Some, Freakish. Yeah, but if you think she came off the bike, uh, I suppose anyhow, around a, a similar sort of time the previous year, I just wonder how close it would have been. I still think she would have had it if she'd been on... on, on yeah, the thing is, you can't read into that performance, can you? No, no, yeah. you can't read anything. It's just a one-off. You're it's sick. just a bad day. You're God sick. knows what happens. Yep. So no, she'll be back, she'll, and it'll probably be back in a bit of a scary way next year. Yeah, well, makes the next year even more interesting. Uh, this week's discussion, we just want to know what your top highlights from Kona were. So what are the moments in the day that you just love being a fan of the sport? So what are your top highlights from Kona? John Bowe, let's your sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Galactic buffer. I'm back on the Extreme Endurance, Bevan. I've been building my oh, what, What's coming up? Got the three got weeks away. you running shoes this morning. Three weeks away from a half marathon. I'm, I'm lowering my expectations, but then I'm going to lift them as I get on the Extreme Endurance. Had somebody ask me last night at running, oh, should I try that Extreme Endurance? Got a marathon coming up. Nice. Uh, and I said, look, it's and he's he said he's struggling a bit with the the training load in terms of the the running, just beating the crap out of his legs. And he's like, I don't know if I can handle all this. So he said, should I try that Extreme Endurance? And I said, look, that's going to really help you get through this next phase during Queenstown race. Nice. Uh, and I said, really help in terms of handling those long hard runs so he's doing the marathon yep nice. and be able to turn around and actually do then some of your more quality sessions during the week it's going to give you that little little boost uh in terms of less muscular fatigue and then it will give you that uh little boost on race day so i know a lot of you guys might be building up for late season marathons we had chicago at the weekend and there'll definitely be a whole bunch more so if that has been your focus recently uh get on it even if it's in the last couple of weeks that you're doing some quality training through that period uh get on it and get yourself a nice lift both for your training and the lift for race day yep if you want to get that next level you're looking for a little bit of edge in your racing check out extremeendurance.com uh, yeah rock on with Extreme Endurance John we're going to put some interviews let's just put them all on back to back so um, we've got three interviews coming up unfortunately we had Ruth who we tried to get and Ruth unfortunately we couldn't get you on because we just had technical problems and uh, everything went wrong with Ruth basically didn't it we tried a few, a few different angles and we couldn't mm. get through so so Ruth if you are listening we're really sorry we couldn't make that happen but we've got tell us who's on John uh, so we've got Paul Moore who was a recent age grouper of the week uh, and if you recall he oh that's right he had, had great the, race. He, he just he just uh, qualified with uh, equaling the last place uh, slot at Ironman Western Australia I think it was uh, and then we've got good old Dr. Feelgood Dave, Dave Dwan who qualified in the Kona 70.3 earlier this year uh, then we've got Phil Allison and you're going to hear from him he had a great race early in the qualifying at Ironman UK and that's it that's it so I'm just going to put these all on back to back guys so there'll be no kind of bit in between so you'll, you'll figure it out you, you guys are pretty sharp we understand that <laughs> okay John here we go 
Okay guys, you're going to hear from a few people today. Some of them were first-timers, some of them were experienced campaigners, some of them even uh, live over on the island. So first up, we've got um, Paul Moore, who's a, a recent age grouper of the week. If you can't recall his story, he managed to get into Kona, um, taking out the final spot and a bit of controversy at uh, over in Australia, and he's headed over to the Big Island and had his first performance, and it's you know only about, probably about 12 or 15 hours since he finished the race, and I'm <laughs> chatting to him, so Paul more welcome along to the show hi john how are you very good so maybe just um for people that can't recall your story maybe just give us the you know the one minute version of how you managed to get to kona yeah um quick one minute it was um i finished eighth equal with peter shearer and uh uh, there were eight spots it didn't roll and on the day of roll down they gave that spot to peter um but then subsequently later in the week um i'm an reviewed the results and realized that we were eighth equal and they gave us both a last spot so we were both here and it was good to catch up with peter here beforehand and we walked we did the um uh, the parade of nations together which was awesome who took the uh, who took the honors out yesterday uh, peter did well and truly <laughs> <laughs> so you you have heard so much about the race um from us from other sources and so on so you know um maybe give us what you're you expected out of the day in terms of the, what the big island was going to present and then equally um what it did actually deliver yeah it probably delivered what i expected to be fair you know i expected a tough day um heat and humidity I'm a bigger guy. I don't perform as well in the in the humidity and that sort of thing. So I expected it to be tough, and it and you know it was no question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the wave starts uh, probably helped from you know obviously without having been here before, but um, swim was was pretty clean. Um, but getting onto the bike, there was very little drafting obviously you get one or two particularly on that first section up the kuakini highway and back into town it's mm-hmm. a little bit congested but not much at all and by the time by the time i hit the queen k you know i hardly saw any there were certainly no packs mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was it's really quite nicely spread out um so th- i think that that definitely worked and i'm sure they'll be um um uh, using that sort of that approach again in future years Talk us through the talk us through sort of each discipline. You know how how it sort of panned out. You know the swim looked like it was there was a bit of uh, chop, well not necessarily chop, but a bit of swell out there. Obviously looked like there was a bit of wind on the bike and the run. Whilst it probably felt hot, looked like it was maybe a little bit cooler than the past. So maybe just run yeah. us through your sort of swim bike run and and some of your experiences um, as you went through. Okay, sure. Um, so the swim there was a bit more swell than usual, but it was it was clearer than it had been earlier in the week. So it was a beautiful swim. And, and it was one of those swims that for me, it it just opened up beautifully. I was one of the last of my wave to enter the water. And by the time I got to the start line, I was planning to go out wide. Um, but a, a, a spot opened up right in the middle and I just swam straight to the front and I was front and center at the start. The, the horn went off and I got away and within 50 meters had clear water. It was just beautiful. Mm. Um, and and then a guy came out from out wide in front of me, and I sat on his feet, and and he was a guy that just liked to swim, sort of outside of the pack, which suited me perfectly. And I sat on his feet for three thousand seven hundred meters. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and I remember thinking all the way around, this is the easiest Ironman swim I've ever done, and it's perfect because I didn't want to be pushing it. I wanted to be taking it easy and chilling, yeah. knowing what's ahead in the day. 
Um, yeah, and sure enough, it was my slowest ever, but it was also my easiest ever. So I was quite happy to to get out in um, when I did and get you know, and get into transition. Um, I've cramped a lot at the end of the swim in the past, and and I didn't really cramp too much at all on, on that swim. So again, I was pretty happy with that. Um, getting onto the bike. Again, you kind of hear all the stories about people pushing too hard, too early, too early, and and smoking themselves. So I was very conscious of that, and and um, trying to monitor my. I was riding by feel, but just trying to monitor how hard I was pushing on the on the first sort of section of the bike um, up to um, uh, up to I guess to, to co- yeah, certainly up to there, and then that first stretch up the up the Queen K, where you're kind of going up a series of step climbs without really feeling them as climbs you know you to, it, i guess it would be easier to push quite hard um but i but i was trying to monitor that and hold back but then the, the big that long climb up to up to harvey was very tough at that point the winds had really picked up by then it was a really full-on headwind during that climb to harvey as well so that was yeah it's pretty tough um and that's when i started to cramp yeah. Uh, first of all in the quads and then the abductors um uh, and uh, it's funny because i thought i'd been monitoring i'd been keeping on top of all my ha- my hydration i got through everything that i planned to um but i still cramped up crazy big time so who knows uh, yeah <laughs> uh, and coming back down beautiful coming down from harvey tailwind and obviously downhill you're just flying and you're just really motoring um then you hit the crosswinds there. They were pretty strong by this stage. I think um, maybe the pros getting out earlier uh, might have avoided that. I'm not sure. But certainly as you got up through the day, the, the winds seemed to get stronger. And probably the age groupers and the later age groupers, the, the lady starters and, and probably the, um, the the legacy athletes who started 20 minutes or so after uh, after our wave uh, would have probably got it even worse. Yeah. Um, and then the, I, I went through a couple of bad patches, cramping again, and then felt the last 40k. I felt to be getting kind of a second wind and felt to finish strongly, although it was all headwind coming back into back into town. But I felt as though I was riding strong and finishing strongly and overtaking people. But when I looked this morning at my times and splits and things, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm. He's, look at the average speeds on on certain sectors of twenty nine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I thought I was doing all right, but uh, I nearly came a cropper just coming into town, uh, getting my feet out of the shoes, unclipping, and nearly fell in front of the crowds, which was a bit embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> and and getting off the bike, cramped up big style, just lifting my leg over the bike, and and had a hobble around round T two. Um. Yeah, it was. I was really, I was kind of lapping it up. You know, it's yeah. such a, um, such a a, a, a long-awaited goal to to actually get here and race here. That I was making the most of the day and 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 really trying to race with a smile on my face and enjoy it. Um, the run, I was gone. I had nothing at the start. Of the run, 
Um, just so, so yeah. how did you how did you approach the run when when that sort of sensation comes over you pretty early? You know it's going to be rough work. Again, was it just a case of lapping it up on a lee drive and and doing what you could? And then I, I imagine it was a bit of a maybe a bit of a death march on the on the Queen K when there's nobody around. Yeah, pretty much, John. Um, I mean, everybody had sort of said to us in, in advance, you know, that first stretch on the on a leaky drive, it's easy to get carried away and, and in front of all the crowds and run too hard. Uh, and I remember thinking that at the time and thinking, well, that doesn't that doesn't apply to me. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think even at that point, I was at 5:45 pace or something. So I was just getting just getting through one front in front of the other. Um, and I remember. I remember one very brief chat to some people at the first turnaround at the end of a leaky drive there. I remember saying to somebody again, just random people in the crowd are oh, almost done now, you know, only one more turnaround to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was kind of, you know, that was kind of my mindset, just trying to stay positive the whole time. Um, get out on the Queen K and obviously the, the crowds disappear and, uh, and it, yeah, it, it's hot and it's, it's humid and, and, there's nobody there and it is a bit of a death march and certainly on the way out I, I was probably my lowest patch was pretty pretty flat uh, no energy um did a lot of walking through that stretch just trying to keep one foot in front of the other yeah um and then and then probably about the 20 21 22k mark uh, felt as though i started to come a bit better and i ran pretty much ran all the way down through the um, through the energy lab and back out again with with only really walking aid stations and just just got a bit back but by this stage my feet were really really starting to hurt me i think they've been so wet from getting so much covered with so much ice and 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 the hose showers and this kind of thing um they dried out and cracked and shriveled up and, and they were really painful by this stage and none of the aid stations had any vaseline yeah i went through I think I went through five aid stations before I found one that had Vaseline where I could stop, yeah. take my shoes and socks off and cover my feet in Vaseline and, and, and get going again. Um, but just, yeah, getting back in, long stretch along the Queen K again. Uh, but it was really just counting down the miles, just one foot in front of the other kind of thing. And I, and I kept thinking, just get to the top of Polani Hill. Once you get to the top of Polani Hill, it's plain sailing. It's all downhill, and then you're back in the crowd. So that was my goal mentally. I was just focusing on, on the top of Palani Hill. Um, and what and then, was the yeah. what was the sort of feeling like? You know, coming down Palani and and then sort of uh, looping around and coming back along Elite Drive. You know, um, yeah. was it was it different to, to what you'd experienced at other races? Uh, yeah, it was it was probably more emotional. As you know, just. And probably my mindset was more positive as well, yeah. so I was uh, I was really determined to enjoy it. Um, you know, I was coming down the running down Polani Hill, just allowing my legs to turn over, and and just all the crowds were already were all building down there, and and obviously all cheering and shouting. And at this, I was by myself running down there. I was lapping it up and high-fiving everybody and all this mm. kind of thing um and then I, I saw lisa my partner just on hot corner there and that was great just had a, a, a kiss and a cuddle and um and then left her to go back that this last little route round um Kuikini highway and then onto a leaky drive and you get onto a leaky drive and it's just unbelievable they, they, yeah they so they, I, I couldn't feel my feet anymore 
uh, couldn't feel any pain. Just the adrenaline rush was insane, you know. And you, <laughs> you come down then, down onto the finish shoot. It must be the longest finishing shoot on any yes. Ironman that I've been on. It's, <laughs> but, yeah. and, and it's and it's like the perfect whip because I remember just running down there with both arms outstretched, high fiving people on both sides, and 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 really, really enjoying it. Um, it's yeah, superb, excellent, unbelievable. Uh, anything else you sort of got comments on the race you know in terms of um things that surprised you um or any things that disappointed you or or anything in particular about the week that sort of blew you away uh nothing that nothing that surprised me i don't think um you know it was well i came out with try travel yeah um, and try travel were excellent uh we we got out here last friday so probably maybe in hindsight we were here a long time and the week, you know, it's being here for so long beforehand, building up in the venue and and staying where we are in the, in the seaside hotel, which is right on the pier. Um, you know, there's no escape from it. It, 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 it is, I think quite emotionally draining. I think, um, in hindsight, we might have been better at the other end of town where you can just escape a little bit from the madness because it is full on. That's what I yeah. really took from it. The whole week is full on. Yeah. Um, we, we we hired a car Wednesday, Thursday and got out of town and went for a drive around or, around the whole island and that was really good. Um, but the other highlight was probably um, Tuesday, uh, the Aussie, the Anzac, sorry, Anzac breakfast dinner. Yeah. Uh, breakfast, breakfast meeting was great. Um, and then the Parade of Nations was just, yeah, another awesome experience. Um, finished at the bottom, had a photograph with Mark and Dave together. How good's that? Awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm stoked you made you managed to get there. You know, um, you just been a long time trying, which was brilliant. And uh, yeah, glad to hear you, hear you had an awesome experience. Oh, yes. Definitely well worth it. If anybody's still trying, you know, I've been trying for 10 years and it's well worth the wait. Keep awesome. going. Cool. Thank you very much, Paul Moore. Okay, guys, uh, a name you've heard on the show plenty of times before. Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood, and he has been uh, helped many an epic camper through some some tough days and managed to qualify for Kona this year, which was fantastic. He's been residing on the Big Island for a little while, uh, and so he got to go and experience the race that he's seen a couple of times and uh, knows the course very well. So welcome along to the show, Mr. Feelgood. Uh, thanks, Johnny and Bev. Good to be here. Right, so you, you obviously knew to a degree what you were getting yourself into on the weekend in terms of you know the course you know you've run up and down a Lee drive you've biked the course a number of times you've swum the course uh how did it sort of um shape up compared to i guess what you're expecting yeah good great question I, th- I think it was definitely bigger than i had anticipated even though i know a Lee drive and queen k and the swim reasonably well the day itself um was just huge and just so many people and so much happening all at once but I, I have to admit I was really calm at the start I didn't know I was really relaxed about um what what was happening on the day and things unfolded reasonably well most of the time there's a few things that I kind of would like to have changed so I, I have learned a lot from it but the the experience was pretty mind-blowing really You've you've been there um, to watch I think either once or twice before, um, and you I don't know which wave you were starting in. Was it was it that was the feel much difference at the beginning compared to other years when you didn't have the I guess the the mass starts? 
Yeah, I was talking to Rob Hill, who's obviously been on the camp before with us, and we were actually in the same uh, corral together, and uh, 50 plus guys. He said it was it was different, but it was just it was going to make the ride uh, a lot easier, and so they had it really well timed. So we just one wave would go, then we'd get called in. We're in the water. We had time to go to the start line. There was guys on paddle boards holding us back. Then they'd say, right, you're gone. And I, I think most people found it a lot less stressful than the big uh, um, washing machine type of effect. And everyone got into a groove really, really easily. And I guess I, I found feet quickly and got on the feet. And then um, I, and I, and I, someone was tapping my feet. I thought, what? and it was the girls, the young girls were coming through, chasing me down like nothing else. They just rode right over top of me like, oh, what the hell? So... <laughs> That was that was good, but it's um the the race plan was to go easy uh, to the turn point and pick it up on the way back, and that's pretty much what happened. I, I my my swim time I predicted to be around one hour twenty, I think it was one hour seventeen, which I was really pleased with. Uh, and I went to I was t- I, I well you and I talked a little bit Johnny about just taking it easy and just and not that was my mantra just go easy go easy and uh, I just picked the pace up a little bit and. Um, Got into T1, easy transition, took my time, walked in, just put my arm arm callers on, the bandana on, and just walked to my bike, got on the bike, and it went really smoothly, actually, yeah. What, what about in terms of the dynamic, both you, you, in the swim and the bike? You, you know, you mentioned there about some some of the females sort of swimming through you. Was it, in terms of the wave starts on the bike, was that okay in terms of, um, you know, I guess you, you would have plenty of people passing you and maybe you were potentially passing people from previous waves. Um, did that sort of work out okay or was it a bit of a, a cluster at times, especially around the aid stations? No, I, I, the only time it was busy was going uh, up, from T1 up the Kuakini, once we got off Kuakini up Palani and onto the Queen K, it was pretty um, uh, smooth sailing. It was not a lot of um, argy-bargy at all. Um, your first comment was correct. I had a lot, a lot of people pass me on the bike. <laughs> and uh, so I just got in my groove and stayed in my groove and uh, just sat in there and just did what, what I had to do. But there, it was seemed, in fact, coming back out of Harvey, there was – I passed a lot coming out of Harvey because, well, people thought it was really windy up there, but, you know, we've been here before, mm. and I was big ringing it out of, out of Harvey, down on the arrow bar, just passing people who were really struggling, and a lot of people sitting up because of the crosswinds, but it was just like being, like we do the um, Hanu, it was just, it, was, it wasn't hard, but it was good, yeah. yeah that, and That was sort of my impression, just in terms of the winds, it looked windy, but not, not crazy or anything nah, like that. Nothing. We've had worse before. I mean, I know the pros would have had less wind. They probably would have had a bit more of a tailwind because it did move the wind a little bit. Um, and they had a, they had a great. Um, they would. Have, that's why I think the times are reasonably good. And they were powering down uh, on the Queen K when we were going up there. Yeah. Just when you were watching the the, the people, the age groupers of the time, where you are going to see the bigger packs traditionally. You know, people kind of between nine and a half, maybe eleven. Uh, we, you know, traditionally that would be the most drafting happening. As you saw those athletes kind of riding back to you, towards you, in that part of the field, did you think that there was drafting happening, or did yeah, you see definitely? Okay, yeah. no, there was even going into Harvey. Um, there was guys with the wind changing. There was people in, in groups for sure, and there's different different um, drafting out of there and coming out. What coming out of there wasn't so much because there was. I guess, I guess it depends how strong one was, but they were powering down the hills and going through. There wasn't as much drafting coming back as there was going up. 
Okay. Um, so for listeners, Dave's in the 65 to 69 age group, uh, finished 25th out of 50 in the age group, I think it was. So bang in the middle, which is awesome. Um, just maybe tell us, you know, it could, because you are um, an old, a slightly older athlete. And, You're an old bugger, mate. Just take it. Take it. And, you, and you've had some challenges getting to the start line. And, I mean, one race written in the last few years, you managed to uh, get hit by a car and, and had some challenges around that. So maybe talk us through some of the challenges you faced going going into the race uh, and whether what cropped up and, and how you kind of dealt with that and, and learnt from it. Yeah, good, Chris. I know, so I, I raced um, Tapo in March and I had another bout of chronic fatigue. So that's when I made some big decisions around my food intake and went to low carb, healthy fat, which made a huge difference. I went from like 73 kgs down to about 65 kgs. I've never felt as healthy in my life. And even though people think I'm lean, it's it's a good, healthy lean. Um, Going into going into the race, I had I had trained really well. I um, came off the half Ironman I did in Santa Cruz and did some good solid training. Felt good, uh, and I know that probably ten days out, I probably shut down a little bit. And then where I, for a whole lot of different reasons, I had very little sleep because a whole lot of people moved into the house I stay in. And it was really, really loud and noisy. And I, and I just know on the start line, I felt, felt a little bit fatigued. So I ended up at Harpoona on the way back. And I, I made some really bad decisions. Like, I, my, I, my mind was kind of there, but my, my body felt good. But my mind was wandering a little bit, as it did uh, in, uh, in Taupo. And for some silly reason... I threw my um, nutrition bottle away thinking it was empty and I'd get a, um, another one at the next aid station. My mind was really wandering quite. So I actually stopped and got off my bike, sat in the medical tent uh, uh, and just took my time. And the doctor said, what, what fuel have you got? I said, <laughs> good question. So I actually <laughs> went, to, I went to Coca-Cola yeah. and I had Coke and water all the way back into town. And um, my time was slower than I would have wanted, and I just felt really fatigued. And two two things saved my sorry butt. Um, my my daughter Libby is here with me watching the race, and uh, I came out of T T two, and I saw her, and I thought, oh shoot, am I going to get through this? And so we had a little conversation. I said, I'll see you outside Lava Java. So I was running down Ali'i Drive on the way out, and here, believe it or not. The whole, damn near the whole crew from Lava Joe was on the sideline with a high fives all the way through. So that definitely lifted things. And then Libby, I saw Libby coming back and we had this little bit of a strategy. And I think you've said it before, Johnny, keep moving, be patient uh, and get to the finish line. And that was my mantra. And then I started counting to 100. And I just did 100 and keep going, keep going, come back out of, come back out of Elite Drive. Um, the Lava Java crew were there again, huge boost. And I thought, right, let's get on the Queen K. I got on the Queen K, and I have to admit, I felt really, really good on the run. And um, I was really surprised. And I, I know, even though my time was slower than I wanted, it felt good most of the way out. Mm. And coming home, of course, um, it was dark as anything, but the full moon and a bit of pump music at the aid stations, it was, it was good. Dave, you've done a few Ironmen, you know, and this is always the mecca for us triathletes, or at least long-distance triathletes. How is this race different, and why does it deliver in different ways? 
Well, I'll, I'll answer. So I've, I've, I think I've started eight, and I've, I haven't finished three because of either a, a car accident or being knocked off the bike and, and, and um, chronic fatigue on two. So this race is different because it's just so much harder. It's just there's there's so many more elements involved, especially with hills and wind and getting nutrition right, and just I think because it's a huge it's a huge um, event. On the on the world scene, and there was so many more people around, constantly having people around, big, bigger than anything else. And I think the hype is always there, and it's successful because the the um, volunteers just make a huge difference. And if it wasn't for, I know there's five thousand of them, and seriously, without those guys on the sidelines, I don't think this race would be the success, the success it is because they just do an amazing job. But I think also expectations are different too Bev, because it's, it is the world champs you know it's not just i'm not i know the other the iron man races we do are important but this is the the world champs and i think it just puts a different perspective on what we're doing why i'm doing it and and what expectations i would have on the outcomes fantastic any, any other comments you've got about the race or your your experience or, or anything else you want to say well i think well, yeah, little, a couple of little hiccups. Before I started my bike, my, um, my bike frame had a crack in it. So I had to get a new, a new bike frame, which it's, it's a road frame. So it didn't kind of go as well as I wanted. I think um, I need to review, revisit my fueling. I don't think I've got that down right. Uh, and I think also that I need to – I'm really pleased how I held on and got to the finish line because I really – at one stage, thought, oh, this is going to end in disaster. But I think my head was overriding things. And once I got things into perspective again, I decided to enjoy the experience. And at far end of the energy lab, there's a Red Bull tent. And I don't drink the Red Bull, but they had the music from um, Dancing Queen from ABBA. So I grabbed one of the ladies there and did a little dance, gave her a twirl and carried <laughs> on. I mean... You know, why, why not enjoy every moment we yeah, possibly exactly. could? You know, I saw people from our, from who've been on our training. Marisa was there. I was hugging people on the sideline, high-fiving people on the sideline. That um, was such a special occasion with so many familiar faces around, and it was just good. And I think the other thing I did on the run, they had chicken soup out there. I've never tried, I never, I've never had chicken soup before, but that, again, was a, just a saviour. Chicken, chicken soup and water, next aid station, Coke and water, chicken soup and water and so on and so on. And, and the finish line, um, I, I have to admit, I decided to put it out there. And I did the big high five, the big sweeps all along the way. And I had a real, it was really, really uh, exciting finish line for sure. Just, just lastly, Dave, what is the one thing you wish you knew before the race now? Uh, I probably, probably knowing now that I've got the mental toughness to push through that I didn't really think I had at the start. And I, and I think, I know Melina um, said to me once, hey, you can't cram for an Ironman. You, you, you just, you, having, I, having the little experience at this kind of event, um, going into it, I now understand what he means. And, and looking back on it now, what I've learned, I can take to the next race, it be at a 70.3 or a full, um, with a lot more confidence in who I am and how I can race. 
And, and I've got one final one as well. Um, the other thing I was, I, you, you had a lot of support on social media, you know, because you've been on so many epic camps. You've got so many friends from the triathlon community, and and you know, a lot of people were wishing you all the best. And I was, I was looking at all the comments, going, "Oh, hopefully Dave's not feeling the pressure too much because there's so many eyeballs on him." So did you did you feel under pressure because you know there were a lot of people watching you, or did, were you able to actually embrace that and use it as a positive rather than something that was going to cause you pressure yeah the great question it was i had no pressure johnny i felt um and that sounds unusual but since i've been living here i've learned a couple of things one is just patience one is being at peace with things and respecting a lot more things and i i felt really humbled i i said to libby i didn't know so many people would do this i just thought i'll get on with my race and, and i was really humbled by the the number of people that were wishing me well and backing me and, and following me on, on um, Tracker and that sort of stuff. And it was, yeah. And, and I think too, I, I, I didn't get emotional. I normally, I did a John Newsom. I went clinical and just do the <laughs> process stuff, which really, really helped. But um, when I saw all the comments afterwards, um, I was just yeah, blown away by it all, actually. It was, it was, it was really cool. Oh, and, I, and I do I do let you know too, Johnny, I actually um, shave, I don't wax. <laughs> and you had the special racing haircut, which must have... Yeah, uh, I did. That, that I was did. Dave's finish time was 13.59, 50-something. The, the, the haircut got you those few seconds to break that 14-hour yeah. barrier. So, um, guys, if you're ever over in Kona, um, Dave is on the camps which we run over there, so we'll be back over in uh, May, all things going to, to plan. So you get to meet Dr. Feelgood in the person, and, and also if you are over there any other time, uh, and you're in Lava Java, look out for the, the Kiwi and uh, and say hello and he will look after you. So Dave, well done on a great race and thanks for coming on thanks. today. Uh, thanks, Johnny. It was good. It was good. I'm um, looking forward to the next race. Really am. Okay, guys. Uh, next up, we have got uh, Phil Allison. He's going to tell us where he's from. I can tell from the accent. It's somewhere in Great Britain and I can see that from the race results as well. He finished Kona in 10.55.47. Uh, I think swam- that's pretty much the same time I did. Really? Nice. I think so. You did a 104 swim, 519 on the bike, and a 422 on the run. So welcome along to the show, Phil. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm Phil Ellison. I'm from uh, near Liverpool in the UK. I uh, work as a physiotherapist, and uh, I've done triathlon for probably about 15, 20 years, maybe. Uh, originally, mostly sort of sprint distances and uh, in 2012, did my first Ironman over in Barcelona, and then sort of caught the bug, and I've done at least one one a year ever since. Now, is this your first time to Kona? Certainly is, yeah. Um, I made a big push from about 11 months ago to get some uh, formal coaching, uh, invest a lot more time, you know, had a, had a word with the family and made sure that they were happy for, for me to invest a bit more time and effort than usual. Uh, and then I, uh, I travelled over to Lanzarote, to try to qualify over there and missed out by about five or six places or so. Um, and then uh, doubled up with Ironman UK, where, which is only about 20 minutes from where we live. And uh, and was lucky enough to qualify there. So Ironman UK is in, what, sort of July time, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a... It's a, I mean, it's, it's similar to other European races, but what was the process between uh, there and getting to race day? Was it all fairly frantic in terms of booking and did you take family out there, et cetera, as well? Yeah, we've, we've treated this very much as a, a once-in-a-lifetime sort of experience. So uh, it was my, my parents' 50th wedding anniversary as well in, in oh, December cool. of this year. So, so they wanted to jump on board. So 
we're booked for myself and my wife and my daughter. Um, she'd also said that for her 10th birthday, she'd love to swim with dolphins. Oh, nice. uh, so that was another real goal for me to get to Hawaii because I thought, what better place to to swim with dolphins than, than here. So uh, it's, it's all worked out in the end very, very well. Um, so it's interesting because you've kind of, you know, you, you, you made this kind of life goal, you kind of set some ambition, you, you found you're the next level, you achieved the goal of getting there. And then you've got this kind of family event happening around it as well, the 50th, the daughter, you know, you doing the yeah. race. What perspective did you go into race day with? Was it, was it very much kind of, I'm going to try smash it, or was it must just have the experience because I'm just kind of having the experience? Uh, no, the experience very, very much for me. Um, I, I smashed myself to bits in uh, in Bolton, uh, and that went. I mean, that went amazingly well. Um, but that was that was the pinnacle. You know, I was on cloud nine for weeks after that, just having achieved the goal that I'd really set my mind on, and worked. You know, worked incredibly hard for it. I've never wanted anything or worked as hard for anything in, in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's come together, and I feel very, very lucky. Uh, and then it was quite a rush afterwards. Uh, it was the middle of July. We set about trying to find some accommodation, but again, at that point, I suppose a lot of things are already booked up. We uh, we moved on to booking flights and things again, and then unfortunately, the airline that we booked with went bust about oh, three you're weeks Thomas ago. Oh, you Thomas Cop, It certainly was. Oh, you poor thing. Um, so we we claimed back on the credit card, but obviously we still haven't got that money back yet. Um, oh. And then and then we had to rebook, but the, the the alternative flights unfortunately were not as good and more expensive, and so that that even cut down on preparation time coming in here. So. We got here Tuesday evening, oh. uh, obviously with the race Saturday, yeah. uh, and I just—I mean, I'm still not used to the heat. The, the heat just is awful, absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah. So, so run us through your, your race um, and maybe sort of swim bike run. What you expected versus um, what you experienced as you went through each discipline. Yeah. I, again, I, I did try to come into it without any real expectations, and I'd, I'd said to the family, "I'm not going to ruin the holiday by." ending up in a medical tent as, as I often do. And um, we tried to take it fairly sensibly. Swim was amazing. I absolutely love that swim. Um, never done a wetsuit, a non-wetsuit swim before in an Ironman either. Um, and uh, I swam about 103, 104, as you said before, which um, I normally swim about 59 in a wetsuit uh, recently. Good. So that, that, that was as expected, really. And, and more than anything, I just really enjoyed the swim. Why? Uh, walk around the pier, took my time just to take uh, in sorry, the sight. Why, why, why did you enjoy the swim so much? Um, just the, the, the clarity of the water, the warmth. The, the, I suppose I haven't uh, got the comparison of previous years with the, uh, with the mass starts, but there was no uh, fighting for space. You know, everybody was fairly well spread out and I, I hardly came into contact with anybody. So there was none of that you know, anxiety side of things with, with a mass start. Uh, so it was just, yeah, it was just you know perfect swim. I, I just and really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, so as I say, then I, I just walked around the pier uh, through T1, tried to just you know look around and enjoy it, and um, jumped on the bike. I, uh, straight away, I realised that it, I, I was going to have to just go quite steady because again, just I, I felt my perceived effort was really high because of the uh, heat. Uh, so I, I rode all the way up to Harvey. Um, it was it was absolutely fine, a bit lower power than I would normally have, but again. Quite enjoyed it. Um, a few small packs on the bike, but no, no huge packs again, which is perhaps a, an improvement on previous years. And then uh, turned around, started to come back and then hit the headwind, um, which although I tried to pace myself and try to enjoy it, I, I, it was fairly impossible to do that on the way home. It was a case of just digging and, and grit your teeth. And then, and then in terms of the run, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your, your split there and I'm wondering if maybe the heat was a bit of a challenge. 
It, it was more than that. It, it was, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I, I think having achieved my goal and my dreams, I don't think mentally I was in the best place to, to dig really deep and, and massively hurt myself, which is what I've needed to do in the past. And as you said before, it was more about the experience. So I, I, I walked every single aid station. And, and as you know, they're one every mile or so. So that's a lot of walking. Um, uh, from about 10 miles, I started to cramp in both legs, even though I thought I'd pace myself fairly, fairly well. Uh, so it's yeah, I mean it's my slowest race to date of the ten that I've done, but to be honest, I couldn't care less. Yeah. What was the uh, the feeling like coming coming down Palani and then uh, looping around onto Elite Drive? Uh, Palani, I had to go a bit cautious because of the cramp, and I didn't look want to look like a fool in front of all the crowds. So <laughs> it was uh, quite steady coming down Palani, um, and then that last section on Ali Drive with uh, all the, the the crowds and you know for to actually hear Mike Riley uh, announce your name is just uh, it's, it's on another level. You know, you, you know, it's interesting because you've had a long time in the sport, and I'm sure you had some pretty amazing achievements. And then, you know, that goal of getting there and, and kind of succeeding as an athlete is a bit of a highlight, obviously. Um, whereas this was more the experiential race. Where does this rank yeah. in your triathlon experiences? Um, as a, a whole experience, it, it probably is at the top. I mean, from the organisation side of things, as you, you guys will know, with the, the amount of volunteers. The friendliness, you know, the support—you you couldn't really ask for for any more from that point of view. But as a as a pinnacle of my actual racing career, then then the, the race to qualify to get here at UK was was a much better race, and with having a lot of local support there, a lot of friends and family on the course, uh, and with that race going to near perfection, then that 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 is actually my best sort of racing performance. Mm. Um, any anything else you experienced sort of during the the week that was. Uh, was a real highlight or, or anything that maybe surprised you a bit? Um, the, to be honest, yeah, the heat and humidity did surprise me. I'd, I'd, like most people would probably try to do, you know, coming from the UK, you, you read up about how to best prepare for these conditions. So it was, you know, sessions, you know, of an hour or so without any water and then jumping straight in the sauna for 30 to 40 minutes. And I was doing that two or three or maybe even four times per week leading in. I don't think that has, well, who, who knows, but I don't think that has made a huge difference, to be honest. <laughs> mm. um, it, I, I should have took my bike in the sauna, I think, and, and tried to recreate it that way. Uh, so that, but, but no, once we got out here, I mean, it's just the, the, the scenery, you know, as I say, the people, the friendliness, uh, the, the accommodation we've had has been fantastic as well. It's, it's, it's been absolutely lovely. And we've uh, made the most for our daughter. You know, we've been snorkeling in, in what's just a virtual aquarium. Uh, we've got dolphin and manta ray tours booked. So as, as we said at the beginning, this is just all about the, the experience. And, you know, if we never come back, then I've got plenty of memories to last the rest of my life. Post this experience, you're in an interesting moment because you've had this moment where you found a next level as an athlete, but also you probably understand the commitment that is, and maybe that doesn't fit into your normal life, everyday life. Well, how do you reset after this and find a challenge within triathlon that is applicable to your life? Like, where do you see the next moment in your life as a triathlete? Um, I'm moving more into, actually personally, I'm moving more into coaching triathlon. Um, with a physiotherapy background and, and the sports science sort of side of things, I've always been interested in it. And But always having my own personal goals, I've, I've left the coaching on, on, on the back burner for, for most of the time. But now that I've achieved my personal goal, I've uh, recently started to do some coaching and uh, hopefully that will, will build now. Obviously, I need a couple of months rest and recovery um i haven't stopped for about 18 months now uh so i'm ready for a good break and i'm just going to throw myself into the coaching side of things so more about giving back yeah definitely definitely 
Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And just my final question would be just in terms of the course, you know, obviously really, really hot, but in terms of the, the nature of the course and, and, and the profile, was it sort of harder, easier, or pretty much what you expected? I think for the majority, it was it was similar. The, the bike was very much what I'd expected, although, again, with getting in here quite late, I hadn't had a chance to, to recce the route at all. Uh, I'd just done some some little bike rides near near where our accommodation was. The the run was just much longer down the Queen K than I'd really anticipated. So it, I didn't find the Energy Lab too bad, and I didn't find Polani too uh, too bad, or even Ali Drive. But that just that that section out and back on on the Queen K, I just thought was just rolling hill after rolling hill, and seemed to last forever. Uh, but I'm sure that's similar to to what everybody goes through. What's it like when you see the pros out there? You know, because it's the only race, you know, all I mean, you see some pros, but this race, you see yeah. the pros. Uh, what was it like? Oh, it's it, it's great. I mean, it, it, it just gives you some sort of idea of comparison as to, as to what they can achieve and, and to see them passing you at speed and, and to, to, to clock the finish times when you've been on the course on the same day. It's just, oh, it's, it's monumental what they achieve. It really is. It's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Awesome. Oh, we're stoked you had a, a really cool experience and, uh, and now you've got some family time as well, which is even better. And, uh, and well done on making it to the Big Island and, uh, and smoking it in Bolton. So thanks very much for your time, Phil. No, thanks, guys. It's been great to talk to you after listening for about 10 years or so. Okay, okay mate. We'll have a good time with the rest of your time with your family. Cheers, Bevan. Thanks, mate. Okay, John. So let's go call Wanger of the Week. I'm going to say... Number one. Number one. Because what the All Blacks going to get in the World Cup. Rob Gray took it out, 23 activities. He swam 2 hours 37, rode 22 hours and 16 minutes, and ran 9 hours and 17 minutes. Rob Gray was former, is one Ultraman. We've is had that, him on the is show. Is that a standard week for him, or is it like he must be training for something? Let's have a look, shall we? 34 hours of training. Oh, 34? Seem, yeah, it doesn't seem oh, that no, standard to me. That's, uh, that's quite significant. So Rob is lives up in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. We've had him on the show before. Uh, he's done some pretty amazing things with regards to Ultraman. No, last week was a pretty uh, pretty big week for him. Fair enough. It's big, you're looking at his graph, and it's, uh, it's a solid effort. Solid 34 is pretty solid? It's pretty solid. What's it, you know, other than Epic Camps... In your normal life, what's he's the over in he's over in Kona. Oh, there you go. There you go. When you're other than epic camps, what's your biggest week of training? Oh, nothing, nothing too crazy. No, I always just because since I've been doing Ironman, I've most of the time I've had family, so I've tend, tend to save it up for either big weekends or um, or, or epic camps. So I was, you know, typically training only maybe fifteen hours a week, and then. If you had a bit of a nut bar one where you maybe did two long rides in a week, maybe 20, but I was typically sort of sitting around that, yeah, 15 hour a week. Okay, John. Uh, so, Rob, you are our wanger of the week. Questions and answers. Just one question here. Um, good old Greg Irvine sent it through it. It's about the race. So, he said, in 2019, I'm in World Championship, so the introduction of the Kakui. Kakui. So, that was the wave. Yep. yep oh, sorry, for the, carry for on. the legacy athletes. It's fair to say that this has had a bit of a mixed response amongst legacy athletes as they are no longer able to start with their respective age groups, nor are they eligible for any awards. Age group, uh, as Ironman, have indicated that there will be no Kui Kuni awards. Is that you say that name? Kui Kuni? Something like that. Yep. Uh, interestingly... Kui Kuni is, is, a, is a pig, I think. Yeah, but it anyway, is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Kuakui, I was saying. Yeah. Kuakui. Uh, interestingly, or it's spelled K-U-K-U-I. Interestingly, several legacy athletes posted faster times than qualifiers in their respective age group this year. Also, not racing in your respective age group appears to conflict with the US triathlon regulation, which states that all athletes must race, race in an age group division. What are your thoughts on this? Should legacy athletes be included in their respective age group at Kona? Or should they be eligible for awards? And he's actually got the rule here. So in the, from the US regulations, 3.2, age group competition, all age group athletes must participate and compete in the age group division corresponding to the athlete's age on the 31st of December. Uh, I don't want to really completely sit on the fence. And I kind of feel that most of the athletes that are going from a legacy problem, legacy program are not going to be challenging for a, no. a top five or top ten. Um, so if I, if I was running along and gunning it and I'm going to get fifth place and then somebody else who started in a wave and, and now with the wave system you can tell where you are in the age group and then if somebody else from a, would you know if the legacies you wouldn't but that's what I'm saying if I got dropped down a place and because they'd started later and maybe they got some sort of unfair advantage maybe from drafting or whatever I'd probably feel a little bit slighted I wouldn't be too upset about but, it but I think more but, Rob's question or Greg's question is why aren't they started just starting wave with the waves I think that my understanding is they're trying to make it more of a feel feel special about being there. You you guys have worked really really hard there, so they're actually trying to celebrate them, not necessarily okay. penalise them. Okay. So I can't, from that point of view, it's like you're the last wave to go in. You're going to get plenty of appreciation from the crowd and and so on. So I get that angle of it. So and I don't know if, for a lot of the, them, I guess maybe they. They're not that worried about performance in terms of if you're there for the legacy. You want to do well, but maybe you're there. You know, and, and let's be honest, if you were good enough to be podiuming, you would have done Kona. Mm. You wouldn't have gone with legacy. Mm. You were qualified. Yeah. So I, I kind of don't. If I, if I finished 45th in the age group and I got knocked down a couple of slots by somebody who was in the legacy, I wouldn't really be too bothered about that. No, it's only a bit so, of pointing, isn't so it? So I don't, I don't see why they should be excluded from the awards because it. I don't think they'll probably get any in terms of being on the podium. But I don't necessarily think that they but should But that's the thing, you can't have them in the awards if they're going to start at different times. Mm. Like you can't say, oh shit, this guy got fifth, but he started half an hour later in a different pack. Mm. If you're going to have awards, it's got to be for that pack that starts at the same time. Mm. So I don't know. You're a bit indifferent. I don't, I don't feel too strongly about it either way, to be honest. I just don't think you need that many athletes who are competitive. No. Of, of, of winning a top five in Kona, because I think if they wanted to go to Kona, they wouldn't have done it legacy style. Mm. You know, they were disqualified. If, you, if you're top five in Kona, you're a, an elite mm. athlete mm. in your age group. So, um, yeah, I, I can see why people would be upset about it. Don't one, let it ruin your Kona experience. Yeah. That's the one thing I would say. One other thing I would say is uh, I did put a post on our Facebook page just asking about drafting. Didn't get too many responses there because I probably posted it <laughs> a little bit early in the morning. <laughs> thought oh, I probably should have waited for actually the Kona athletes to get up so they might see this. Um, but good old Arnold Silikov, uh, who is a regular Kona athlete while I was over there racing, said it was a significant improvement oh, that's on great previous years. So that's only N equals one. Uh, and N so equals one? Oh, yeah. you're scientific. And uh, real scientific. And Dave Dwan said, you know, there was definitely some pack out there but it sounds like it was significantly better okay so for you who said you wouldn't go back to Kona if it's like how it was mm. does it now become a more appealing to you yes because I know it's probably similar speed as you yep 
Uh, so it does. It doesn't mean I'm going to go back anytime soon. It's got to fit in with life. But I would not have gone back if it was going to be a drafting schmozzle. He said when he went past the, the tents, it looked like they were enforcing it well also. There was 20 or 30 people in the tents, which is which is good. So they were busing people, breaking things up. So I fully understand there's still going to be packs. But it sounds to me like now there is the option where you can go, if I'm here to race and I don't want to go be going backwards all day, yeah. if you're at the pointy end. Or just think uh, about drafting all day. Yeah, it is achievable. Uh and maybe it's, you know, you'll still be in a, in a pace line, but you, you're not sitting there going, there's no way out. Unless I just freewheel for the next five minutes and go backwards, then it's, yeah. So it's, it sounds fantastic. And that's really, it's, and, really, so and, it's a good move. And in terms of all the, the athletes that we've spoken to today, in terms of the swim, it sounds like that's worked out really well yep. for the most. So um, definitely would never want to see this race go to a rolling start, but the wave starts, you know where you're at. Where you're at. Um, yes, there's some downsides, and I'm sure there would have been some issues out on the bike with athletes coming through. Yes, there's some issues where you've got to swim through slower swimmers, um, but I think the positives seem to be outweighing the well, negatives. Well, it seems to be the best of a bad situation, doesn't it? Mm. You know, and that's what we... Not that Kona's a bad situation. No, but <laughs> messed up. Created yeah. a lot of, you know, your experience at Kona was not a good experience. Yeah, totally. And we don't want that to be the athlete experience. We mm. want athletes to go there, have, you know, kind of some of the feedback we got from the people we interviewed today. Okay, John, let's do the patrons. Peter, the insider Colson. We've got Michael, the don't back down Barker. And Tom, the distinctive bland. Or was it Baker? Baker? The distinctive bland. Baker. Nice. Okay, John, um, if you want to get your email, oh, sponsors. Extreme endurance. Lactic buffer. And our patrons. And Jombo, if you want to become a patron, you go to www.talk.me, and it's all pretty obvious. Uh, becoming a patron means you're going to draw to come to Kona next year with the boys. It should be pretty interesting next year. Uh, also, if you want to get show email to you, go to the same website down the bottom of the front page. Just put your information in there. If you want some coaching from a great coach, coachjohnnewson.com. I have got a couple of slots that have opened up, so if you are keen to get some coaching, get in touch. Good times rock and roll. You can also check out my podcast at bevanjamesoz.com. Send us information, age groups a week, cool websites, other stuff like that. I'm talkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. Goss, it was a big, uh, it was in, we were in Kiteria all last week on, uh, oh, that's on right. va- vacation. Uh, vacation. And uh, there was a good times. So my daughter now is uh, enjoying her mountain biking, so it was pretty much mountain uh, mountain biking holiday. Oh, that's cool. Which is which is good times. It's made for mountain biking up there now, it's isn't it? Brilliant. A couple of new tracks, which was cool. So that was uh, the extent of my week. Got in the, the ocean, which is was pretty fresh, got to say. What got are you in. thinking? Got in, got out. Felicity was in there bloody boogie boarding for about 45 minutes. I thought, it can't be that cold. Uh, so we decided we had to get in, dived in, got straight out. Shrinking straight away. Got, and then I thought, I've just got to go in again, dived in again, got straight out. It was it was pretty fresh. Uh, so that was good times. Felicity ain't got no body fat, so how does she survive? Well, she's, I don't know. It wasn't that warm out either. Oh. So, so it was good times. Um, back here now, just settling back in. Got the next round, final round of the JD Duathlons this weekend, which will be good. Now, that, now Dave's on there. Is it, shouldn't it just be the D? The did, J. The J, yeah. sorry. The J. Yeah. The J Triathlon. He's, he's there in spirit. spirit. That's no, right. He's there. So, yeah, it was awesome weekend of sport watching. Um, did you watch the marathon? I did. Oh, I watched from about 40 minutes in. What did you think? So it was impressive. I've got to say, he's just, he's got the best, Kipchoge has got the best game face. I mean, he, there's probably one moment of distress I saw. Sorry? There was one moment where he looked a little bit distressed. Well, no, there was early on, there was a moment where, and the commentators were picking up on this as well. We pulled back a little bit? Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, that's not a good sign. Uh, but yeah, thoroughly impressive. Um, didn't look like he was under pressure. And the energy that he had at the end, I know you'd be pumped up, but still. You yeah, know, he was sprinting, wasn't he? You contrast that to say, you know, the Ironman athletes of the weekend 
totally different conditions, longer race, etc. Most of them were, were, were sort of out on their feet and needing, needing to be held up. He had plenty of energy. He went bounding back down the straight. And I was thinking, Jason, I wonder if you could have gone a little bit faster. Yeah, but you're not, you don't take that risk, do you? No. You know, because their splits, the, the, the fastest they went was like 248. The slowest mm. they went was 252. Mm. You know, and they got a car tracking, so it was pretty easy to do. But mm. they just stuck to the plan, man. Yeah. So it was were, awesome. It's, you would think watching a marathon would be interesting like that. But it was just captivating, wasn't it? Because it was that moment. If he, you know, you couldn't fall off the pace. It wasn't a race. You Did you watch the last one? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, I watched. Because he fell off the last half. couple of k's in the last one. And then it's he? like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Not like coming back. Whereas if it was a race, you go, oh, something either could happen here. But yeah, you were watching to see if there was a crack. Boom, it was all over, and then you were able to turn it. Well, off the one thing it. I didn't get about when they did the breaking too is they didn't have a crowd. Mm. And I never, even when I watched, I was like, why haven't they got a crowd? Because mm. human energy is such a feeder, mm. and you could see it pumped them. You know, mm. like you could see coming out that finishing shoot. Oh, how cool would that be? Yeah, so that was it was good times. Ben, what's been happening in your world? Well, uh, who, 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 was, who was the murderer? Jeff. All oh, right. Jeff, Jeff. He, it was actually a great night. I highly recommend it. So we got it from a website. I got it from some website. Such a cool thing to do with your mates. So everyone, mm-hmm. the great thing about my mates is everyone participated. Yeah. Everyone turned up dressed up really well. <laughs> um, everyone kind of got into it. Um, it was just a, it was such a fun night, and then we got the we got music pumping. It ended up being a bit of a dance party, John. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and the thing about our house is a bit of a fishbowl because the neighbours the next day said, "Look, like you were partying hard last night." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it was it was it was, high, it was just because you know what it's like with your mates. You go hang out with your mates, and it's always good times with your mates. But you kind of just do the same shit. Yeah, and it was quite cool just to have an experience that was something different. So that was that was spot on. But John, I did have a very stressful week last Tuesday. Oh, no, I can't have stress. I know, John. Because John and I recorded, pre-recorded the show last week. Mm-hmm. And then I had to do some other recording for my business. And so I used the old Zoom. Mm-hmm. So stupidly, I thought to myself, oh, I'll just delete off the Zoom. So I deleted, cleared the Zoom, deleted it for half, and then I did all the work. And then sat down to start processing the show last Tuesday. Oh, oh my God, I've deleted the show. Yeah. And I spent three hours trying to figure out how I can get it off the memory card or get it back. And I was going to spend like $250 to find this program that could do it. And then I found a cheap way of getting it for kind of scamming this program for $10 and it didn't actually work. And then I remembered we recorded on Skype. <laughs> so so we hadn't recorded on the Zoom. I actually had it on my computer. Oh, so nice. I basically lost three hours of my life, high stress. For nothing. For nothing. Don't you hate that when that happens? You do indeed. Although the relief was quite good. Good. The relief when I realized, pick it up. Did the Skype call last week? Yeah, that was a bit of a challenge in itself. Yeah, but thank God for that because it was highly stressful. So I was, I was a bit stressed, John. Mm. A bit stressed. But other than that, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just loving. I'm loving a sport fan right now. Mm. You know, it's just some good sport. I'm looking forward to the World Cup. You gonna watch the game this weekend? It's pretty late, eleven o'clock, and I've got to be up probably about four thirty the next morning. Maybe I should just do an all nighter. Where's your race? It's out in our North Canterbury, so probably yeah, I'll probably be up at four thirty. Oh, you don't do it repeater anymore? No, no. Oh. So these are the challenges I face. I really do want to watch it because we play. So for for non rugby nations, New Zealand is playing Ireland in the quarterfinals. Now, what's happened in the World Cup is Ireland lost to Japan, which nobody would have put money on, and uh, so it means that that we would have normally played Japan, which would you would think with the easy speed steamroll. But they've actually been doing really well. Mm. So now we've got Ireland. And Ireland have been our bogey team in the last couple of years. Now, mm. if, you're be- if you're looking at teams, you're thinking, oh, New Zealand's going to beat Ireland. It's going to be a hard game, though. It's going to be an honest... It's, it's worth a watch. My biggest hope is that the Aussies beat the Poms. Oh, go the Aussies. Go the Aussies. Yeah. Come on, Checker. Yeah. Come on, Checker. So that's my biggest hope. So anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Eno. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.